Welcome into, I guess we'll call it the first episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborg is getting you set for another podcast, and we love doing it, and we will continue uh, right here. Make sure you share, uh, subscribe. We certainly do appreciate all the support uh, that we have gotten, and we are jumping right in to one of the hottest teams in Major League Baseball right now. Shockingly, not the hottest team at 18-5 and five in the month of August. Uh, the second hottest, that's because the Los Angeles Dodgers have been on fire. But we want to talk about the Seattle Mariners. And the Seattle Mariners right now in the American League West uh, wake up today on Sunday morning, which has been absolutely wild, tied for first place, 73-56. and 56. It wasn't that long ago that the Seattle Mariners were looking like a disappointing team because the offense really wasn't giving that pitching staff the support that they needed at one point during the middle of summer. Spilly, I think for you and I, or at least early on uh, in the season, it was like, oh, it was great. They finally made it to the postseason last year, but they are not putting it together. Julio Rodriguez got off to a really slow start. Jared Kellner got off to a great start. Then he slowed down and eventually got hurt. And it was just looking like it wasn't going to happen for the Seattle Mariners. That is why we play an entire season <laughs> and play six months. And so here they are now in first place. Everything looks to be clicking, even though Kelnick is still out and he's getting ready to start a rehab assignment. It could be a lengthy rehab. We'll see whether or not he is going to be back. Uh, but they have been crushing it, including in the month of August, a 12-2 and record on the road. Uh, which is just incredible to see here. But you just got to see them firsthand, the Seattle Mariners, uh, for your Apple game on Friday and a little taste of the magic that is happening in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, some thoughts here on the Mariners now that they are, as we're here on a Sunday morning on August 27th, tied for first place. Dang, they are they are America's team, kind of, sort of. I mean, they, they certainly were last year when we were watching them go down the stretch. Everybody was cheering for the Seattle Mariners. You, you wanted to see them break that playoff stretch. First time since 2001. Uh, and then this year, and, and by the way, last year, they were that matchup against the Houston Astros um, because they went to Toronto. They win that series and then they took on the Astros and they almost like all those games were decided by a run. Like like the the Robbie Ray home run to uh, to to Jordan. There's the the late inning home run from Jeremy Pena in Seattle. The one that that, that game took forever. Um, they were that close and we, we know the Astros won the world series. So like, I think there was players within Seattle and when, and when I saw them on Friday, you could definitely tell <laughs> dude, that place is positive. That mm. is a, that is a fun place to be in, in the, the crowd, the city, um, Seattle, when they get locked in on something is, is really supportive. So they're, they're pretty fun right now. And beyond that, um, I think you deserve some credit because, <laughs> You told me. Don't tell May, Ranger fans well, that, Billy. <laughs> no, no. But what you said in May was this team is going to be a problem. They're too good of a pitching staff to be, uh, to be where they are. And and you sold me on that. And then I started digging into some of their numbers this weekend. And what was amazing about it? So they pitch with the fastball better than any team in Major League Baseball. They get more outs than any team in Major League Baseball with the fastball. They also are in the strike zone more than any team in baseball as a pitching staff. That's fastball and off-speed pitches. Um, they 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 like legitimately control the strike zone. That's that's their whole motto. And they they what they've done to their pitchers is that they find two pitches that you're really good at, two pitches that you're really good at, and preferably they have they have a fastball. But that's part of what Depoto and and what they're they're entire organization has looked and tried to figure out and which is why they have you know all these different styles of fastball they have Luis Castillo super sinker he's throwing a sinker in a four seam now 
He went and you saw this last week. You said it. Luis Castillo in his start through 47 consecutive fastballs. Mm. And I asked Scott service. I was like, is that part of what you guys are trying to do? He's like, no, we don't want him to do 47 in a row, <laughs> but, but it was working. So they just keep going to it. So Castillo has his, has his crazy, you know, sinker four seam. Kirby has an explosive fastball. I've heard from Tom Murphy before that Logan Gilbert has the most mm. unique fastball he's ever seen. It's a high spin, huge extension. Bryce Miller has a high spin uh, extension. We like we inter- interviewed him right after he made his start, where he struck out ten. He was like, "Yeah, man, I just throw my fastball and people swing and miss." I mean, so like, and even when you go into their bullpen, so they are a problem. They are a complete problem. Their pitching staff is a problem for whoever faces them. The biggest thing that's happened for Seattle is their offense. And and you could say, well, Julio's gone on fire, which he has. You know, this guy's now hitting 280, um, which is crazy. He's like at 240, like less than a month ago. He's to, he's up to 280. Mm. Um, but they're hitting homers. That's that's the thing is that they're, they're they'll always strike out because they strike out. Um, but they're they're hitting homers now. And they're getting on base, so they're they're a problem. Yeah, and the home run stuff, like you said, it, it runs up and down the lineup. Eleven players this month with multiple home runs. I get it. We're through the month. You say, well, two home runs is that a big deal? When you run eleven players deep with multiple home runs, including one of them in Cal Rowley, who is on fire right now with nine this month, um, that lineup uh, becomes very difficult to navigate, right? And you mentioned Julio hitting over four hundred uh, this month. He had that incredible run that he was on, but overall, it's just been a great month. Um, for him, yes, the strikeouts will still be there. Eugenio Suarez is out here uh, getting it done. Tasker Hernandez has had a really strong month for him. I know you got to see all these guys uh, firsthand. The acquisition of Josh Rojas, that's the other thing, too, is that we saw a contender for contender trade. And the fact that they traded away Paul Sewald, which is pretty amazing, that they were willing to do that. It's so risky to subtract a bullpen arm that is reliable. Uh, the way that he is in closing out games to the Arizona Diamondbacks to get the other piece that you feel like um, you needed. That has worked out really well. Josh Rojas hitting at even 300 here in his 17 games um, that he has played. Dylan Moore has played a really important role. That's the other thing, too. When you look at games played, 12 players that have been in at least 20 games here in the month of August. 12 that have been in at least 20 games. Uh, excuse me, in at least 14 games. I'm sorry, a couple there, a little bit lower. Uh, but that have been in a lot of games here, um, 12 of them. It's it's kind of wild the way that they're working it right now. So Scott Services is pushing all the right buttons. You have the combination of them playing well. The Astros playing okay, right? They've kind of been a little bit up and down, still trying to completely find the groove. They certainly have been better. And then, of course, the Texas Rangers, they had the eight-game losing streak. It finally ended on Saturday, and they got a little bit of help with a couple of bases loaded walks and hit by pitch to give them uh, the lead, and they were ultimately able to close things out, which I will tell you as a guy who works uh, for the Rangers, exhales everywhere because there was a significant panic uh, as far as what was going on um, with this team. Hopefully, uh, they can now go on a little bit of a run here and make this thing um, interesting. I still don't have, and I, I know I'm not completely objective, but a favorite. I think all three of these teams can win. Uh, this American League West, um, which is wild to think, uh, but I do think we're kind of in that spot right now. The Mariners are just a hot team, and I was listening to Dave Valley actually on the Ranger game. Of course, Dave Valley for years has done work for the Seattle Mariners, longtime big leaguer, longtime MLB network uh, analyst, and saying, listen, yeah, they're, they're playing great. They're unbelievable. 
does anybody really think this is the pace they're going to be able to hold the rest of the season? I mean, it would be phenomenal to play at the rate that they're playing right now, but it's asking a lot, right? We still haven't gotten to the month of September or a few days away. So I guess that's the other part of that is that as hot as this offense is right now, and it's an OPS of 879 in the month, uh, of August with their 41 home runs. Again, with still a few days to go. I think the reality is that that probably doesn't hold, right? They probably don't hit 292 wow. the rest of the way with an 879 OPS. No it's then, of course, on the other clubs after that when you start talking about, um, of course, the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers of being able to kind of get their act together, the Rangers more than the Astros, because eventually at some point they're probably going to come down here a little bit in Seattle. Yeah, they, they will come down eventually at Seattle. I also want to point out the schedule um, because this was like, I, I wasn't normally looking at the schedule, but I feel like when a team is doing this, you have to see uh, if there's any chance that Houston and Texas can kind of clean it up. Well, they can. The last stretch of baseball between the Rangers oh. and, and Seattle and Houston, it's on like Donkey Kong. So starting September 22nd, it's in Texas. So you get a weekend series, and this is where it boils down to. You get uh, Seattle comes into town for three, then then they go home, and they face the Astros for three, and then the Rangers for four. I mean, that's that's the division. It's yeah. it's how all these teams play, how Texas plays, how Seattle plays, how Houston plays down the stretch. Those last 10, I think I'm with you, are going to be huge for everybody in the American League West. I will say in that sense, even though the Astros had the Mariners for that three-game series, they're in a little bit of a better spot. Uh, when you look at the last 10, they got the Kansas City Royals at home. Then they go visit Seattle and visit Arizona. Now, Arizona could be fighting for their playoff spot um, at that point. So they definitely have a more favorable um, schedule Do the uh, Houston Astros who are playing the Detroit Tigers uh, right now. They split the first two games of that series. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun uh, down the stretch, and we certainly look forward to uh, watching the rest of the American League West. But right now the Seattle Mariners are on fire. They are the story in that division tied for first place here on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I cannot wait to see what ends up happening. All right, so Shohei Otani, this one has bothered me so much, mm. CJ, because I felt like a lot of it had to do with the Angels, and I felt like they deserved some responsibility. We, we certainly talked about it, how uh, I felt like the indicators were there, um, and, and this story keeps getting more and more interesting to me now because I think I, when you see a player, you know, get arm fatigue um and and i'm not sure cj do do pitchers get mris throughout the year if they have some sort of arm fatigue i think it's changed i think it's probably new um to the game i used to think about that during my career and of course my career at the big league level ended in 05 done pitching um overseas in 2013 and i always thought man why don't we see more of this why don't we see more imaging kind of to check in during the year uh, why don't we see stem cells at the end of every season just to help you regenerate some tissue, whether you're hurt or not, because everybody has something. And it was the everybody has something that always kind of said, you know what, I don't know if I want to know. My arm doesn't hurt right now. My velocity is fine. Do I really want to go in and see that I have a 5% tear, which I don't think would be a big deal or whatever a number would be that would be a non-factor um, that wouldn't stop you? Like, do I want to just stop my season in the prime of my career? Uh, because I might have a little something going on to hopefully try to protect. I think in this day and age when injuries almost feel inevitable for every pitcher, I don't know if you'd want to know. Now, if something happens, like arm fatigue itself, I probably wouldn't want it. 
and I'm guessing this is why Shohei Otani and his team uh, denied uh, the imaging request, it seems like, from Perry Manazian and the Angels after he came out of that game on August 3rd. It's all very fascinating. Um, but I, my guess there is, uh, like a lot of pitchers over the course of the year, they may not want to know exactly what's going on. If they feel like they're, oh, I'm just a little tired. It's fine. No, I don't want to go look in and find something that's going to get yeah. in the way. And even then, if he has a little something, let's just say he did, going back to you know the third, people now everybody knows. Now it's out there. As opposed to if you get to the offseason, not that you're not going to get imaging anyway with the big contract you're about to sign, and that could have caused all kinds of problems as well. Um, but I think a lot of guys prefer not to know and feel like they're fine because you don't want to get in your head either. Well, I got this super little tiny tear, this whatever little things might be going on. Am I going to get tentative now what I'm doing? I think that has also been kind of the thought. But I had that thought over the years, certainly when I was playing, and I think ultimately I concluded, you know what? I don't want to know. I'll deal with it when something happens. So now I feel bad. You know, kind of yelling at at the angels because if they did, and, and this is where I was saying, like, man, if you're not, especially if you have these indicators, which was fatigue and cramps and all these things, and, and considering you know pushing back starts and and maybe just shutting them down, that's that was my suggestion. Mm. Uh, even at the end, at the early beginning of August, as soon as they fell out of it, I was like, just shut them down, let them hit. Don't don't pitch anymore. There's too much writing on the arm. And and now you learn while well, the agent and his camp kind of turned it down, which now really frustrates me mm. from an from an agency standpoint. Because what are you doing? Like like the, that's you and, and you and I would like we could speak about this because they like, saw it firsthand. Japanese culture and Japanese players players will do what they're told. That's how it works. Mm. So it's not like even if you said, well, Otani should have said something. That's not Japanese culture. That's not how the players are are brought up. They're told what to do. They listen to a coach. They they listen. It's a it's a senpai culture where older people that have been in the game that tell them what to do, they'll do it. That's yeah. the in deal. life too, <laughs> regardless, right? Everywhere in life, no matter what. Yeah. It's like if you have if you have if you're my CEO and and I'm like, man, this is a really bad idea. And you go, I I don't even have the ability to say, man, this is a really bad idea. CEO tells me what to do. I go, yep, you got mm-hmm. it. Great, sounds awesome. Um, so, so like just culturally, Otani would not speak up on, Hey, you should shut me down. So in the case of the agency and, and, and like this one, like, I, I don't love it when agents get in the way. I always think players should be able to speak, right? Like you, you remember this in the minor leagues or, you know, somebody's having a problem. They'll have an agent call it an organization and you hear about it. You're, you're like, like the organization was like, why didn't that guy just go into the manager's office and, and talk to me rather than use an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, being able to tell Perry in, in the front office, like we're going to, we, we need to shut down Otani. It's, it's too much. I, I think that would have been okay. I think it would have been okay, especially given the fact that he's going to be a free agent. It, some people would have, would have yelled about it, you know, like you want to try, try to keep that quiet because they're like, Oh, well, he's trying to do it to, to make a ton of money. Yeah. And he's been pitching a lot mm-hmm. and he's been pitching a lot. I think there's, there are some, like, there's a reason why you and I don't like our kids playing fall ball. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, <laughs> we have to just, you know, like take a little break, take a yeah. little break. Yep. 
I'm with you on that one. And what's interesting, too, because this was the finger cramp, right? So, And it's important, I think. This is a really important part for the Angels because the initial reaction was, why didn't they shut him down? Why didn't they get imaging? Why didn't they take better care of him, right? That was the initial reaction, I think, for a lot of us. And the fact that this is an ongoing communication between Shohei Otani, the organization, his agents, and decisions are being made as a group, I get it. Like, the game has changed dramatically, uh, even going back to the beginning of my career and probably throughout it. That that a three-way conversation was never happening. It was, you're going to get this imaging or you're not going to get this imaging. Uh, but that's changed, and I think it's changed for the better. But it was a finger cramp. And so like, well, no, listen, we don't want imaging for a finger cramp or checking anything bigger that might be going on, which, again, I understand. But it sounds at least for the Angels that they needed that out there. Like Perry Manazian needed that out there publicly to make sure that people understood. You don't, you don't want to open up uh, those private conversations, but I think to some degree a reputation could have been at risk for them. Right. And so that mattered as well for him and say, listen, I don't we don't want to hear and I didn't say it like this, but we can't be getting buried on not taking care of Shohei Otani. Here's where we were on August 3rd after a finger cramp. We had thought, hey, let's get some imaging. And he denied it and said we didn't feel like he needed it. And again, goes back to like you were kind of asking, why not just get imaging all the time? I don't think there's any negative. There's no downside to getting into that MRI tube from a health standpoint. Like It's not going to do anything bad to you. Uh, but then it's like, well, is it going to re- reveal information you don't want? Happens all the time. Happens with draft picks now. We see it, right? Guys doing great through their um, college or high school seasons. They're high picks. They get imaging. Uh-oh, there's a, something here we're concerned about. That's going to be a problem uh, down the road. Go back to Kamar Rocker with the New York Mets, right? They took him within the, was it the ninth overall pick at the time, eighth or ninth overall. They don't like the imaging. They don't sign him. Signs with the Rangers next year. Things are going well. And then he ends up uh, blowing out anyway, right? And it's, it's he's so young. You don't get too concerned, even though it does, because it becomes so much more common, right? You think you're going to get healthy and he's going to be able to pitch again. But the point is, that's how it ends up working, is that everyone seems fine. And then you go get that imaging. I I, I, I can't say this with 100% confidence, but with some confidence, if they go in there and got imaging, they were going to see a tear in his elbow. They were going to see something to some degree. Now, maybe it got worse as that game went on, and eventually he blew out and he felt something. But there was going to be something there, and they probably would have shut him down on the spot. And then again, it would have really complicated his free agency. Still going to be a complicated free agency. But now, uh, if it was just, hey, we're shutting him down with this little bit of a small tear, we're concerned. Just go ahead and get all the other injections necessary. But he's done pitching. Um, Perhaps that's why they shut it down. It's like, again, saying, I don't want to know. There's probably something in there I don't want to know. And at a critical time for a guy who's about to sign the biggest contract in the history of our game, topping probably a half a billion dollars. Uh, we're just going to pass on imaging, and he ends up having the injury anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it, yeah, I mean, I, well, to your point, CJ. I mean, I guess in in hindsight, you don't want to do the imaging. Fine, you still should have shut him down. Uh, you know, like, and it's easy to say it because he got hurt, but I, I just, I, I don't know. It felt like his specific case made sense to shutting him down and because he's a two-way player because he does so much and by the way he's playing with the torn ucl ucl <laughs> and uh i'm not sure if you saw this I, I think it was the other day he's like the first player ever to have two stolen bases two runs scored <laughs> two doubles a triple <laughs> like like he's just doing he's raking he, he's, it's a non-issue he's, he's amazing man he is so cool like yeah. he's like he's so cool. I think we realize that, right? Like he's yeah. he's fun. It's been an absolute non-issue for him, which is crazy as far as the hitting goes and what he has done uh, since then. He continues to rake, which is fascinating to think that you could have a tear in your UCL in your throwing elbow. In his case, it's his front arm, 
right? So not, that there's like no zero, uh, excuse me, no impact on his extension, which is wild if you think about, you know, especially with his yeah, swing and how hand, big yeah. it is and all of it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, uh, it's kind of wild um, to see for him. But yeah, that's where we stand right now, Shohei Otani. But I think it's important again going back to the Angels and Perry Benazzi and and getting it out there um, that they did uh, throw out the idea of imaging and it was Shohei in his camp um, that said no, he's not trying to bury him. Maybe that hurts the relationship a little bit. I don't know. But the bigger picture there for the Angels and for Perry Benazzi is that the uh, reputation stays intact and he's honest about uh, what happened there. From one UCL to another, Spilly, uh, some devastating news coming out of Baltimore and that is that Mount Batista, of course, the big closer in the back end, Felix Batista, uh, dealing with um, a UCL injury. Now, we haven't gotten the specifics on it in the sense of how bad is this thing? Um, they haven't wanted to really, I guess, um, reveal that. And I get it. We're kind of taking your time a little bit on some of this. But this dude has been a huge part of what's going on at the back end of the Baltimore Orioles bullpen, how good uh, they have been this year, 46% has been the strikeout rate for him. That's an absurd number. That's the highest in baseball. If that held, it would have been the seventh highest that we have ever seen in baseball's history. And you're talking about guys like Aroldis Chapman and Josh Hader and Diaz and Kimbrell. Those are the guys that have had some multiple seasons, some of those guys in front of him. It was kind of a record-setting uh, year. He Again, we don't have the full details yet. Again, we hear some damage, right? UCL injury, of course. His throwing arm, he's on the IL right now. I would say probably highly unlikely that we see him again this year, but they haven't said that yet. This is a huge loss for the Baltimore's. I know they've had this next man up mentality up and down the line. They don't have anybody to replace him, not to that level, not to the swing and miss. There's going to be more contact in the ninth inning now going forward. Uh, D.L. Hall, the lefty, is going to come up for the minor leagues. He's pitched a couple of games uh, this year. He is not going to uh, go slide into that closer role and take over for Batista. Likely will be uh, Cano. But this is some devastating news for a team that continues to roll with the punches, continues surprise. Uh, surprising the the entire league. The Baltimore Orioles are a first-place team. They are holding off the Tampa Bay Rays right now, again on Sunday, August 27th, with their three-game lead um, on a four-game winning streak right now. Like It hasn't slowed them down. Best team in the American League. But, man, this is some huge news that they got and some huge bad news. It, it is huge. CJ, this is so sad, uh, and, and for a couple of reasons. The story is, is fantastic with Felix Bautista, especially when you consider – um, some of the decisions from last year, you know, the the Orioles trading Trey Mancini, Jorge Lopez, uh, to to you know Mancini goes to what was it Chicago or Houston, and then uh, Lopez that that was their all star closer, Jorge Lopez all star closer trade him to uh, Minnesota and everybody's like what in the world, uh, well and and we we kind of reacted that way too we're like come on man support this Baltimore team it, they could use it, uh, you don't have to trade away guys like that. Uh, especially, you know, good stories like that. They end up getting Gainer Cano out of the right. deal for for uh, for Lopez. So you can't second guess him anymore. Uh, but now to your point, you know, when it comes to Felix Bautista, this guy was going to get not only Cy Young votes, I think he was going to get MVP votes. Right. I think Bautista was going to get MVP votes when it was all said and done um, because of it wasn't just he was closing down the ninth. There was multiple times where he was pitching multiple innings the ninth and the 10th inning to get a win. Hmm. And, and like these numbers are crazy, crazy 61 innings pitch, which is a, that's a pretty big workload, right? 56 yeah. games. There's multiple so out of 56 games. Um, there's multiple innings in there. 61 innings, 30 hits. That's it. He's only 30 hmm. hits against him. And then the strikeouts are, are just ridiculous. 110 strikeouts in 61 innings. 
I, I don't. That's and, absurd. And with, and it's an absurd beyond, number. And beyond that, CJ, this isn't like he's a 28 year old reliever who's not even arbitration eligible till mm. 2025. Yeah. So this guy's making Thanks. league minimum, and he and he's he's going to miss out on you know some. Hopefully it's it's not a big deal, but it, we know it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this cuts into all of his potential earnings down the road. Oh. Um, I mean, it's bad. It's it, it, that part. I know that's not the most important thing. It's certainly not what Orioles fans are thinking about right now. But I'm with you because I've seen it over the years. Now this guy is really special, and so they'll do the best to take care of him. But right-handed relievers in general have always kind of referred to them as disposable heroes because they are huge in monster spots for you, and they get used a lot. And I'm not saying that he was used and abused. I think we've been better about it. But you mentioned the heavy workload, and it's pretty high intensity with some powerful stuff that he brings to the table. It's hard to stay healthy and it's hard to stay consistent long enough uh, to make some, you know, real life-changing money uh, in this game. And so if he is going to miss all of next year, here he is 121 games into his career. If he misses his age 29 season, now he goes into his age 30 season coming off a potential uh, elbow surgery. Um, and who knows where that will lead him. Now, again, I think they'll take good care of him and try to do uh, the right thing the best they can, but you don't just give money away either uh, in this game. And I don't know if you heard this or not, but the Orioles specifically don't do it at all. And so with him, uh, he has just been <laughs> incredible. And it's it just it stinks, man. There's no two ways about it. Uh, it stinks. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the Orioles. It evens things up a little bit more. The Tampa Bay Rays have dealt with huge injuries. We know that, right? And that rotation in particular has been a problem for them. They have found a way to hang in there. Now here come the Baltimore Orioles with a big injury uh, that they have to deal with. But yeah, for all those reasons you mentioned, I'm with you. I know people generally don't put too much thought into that kind of stuff, but we understand you have a very small window. And for a guy whose career didn't start until he was 27 and dominant uh, last year in those 65 games, dominant this year in 56, he had one more to go. You're going to ask him to be dominant for three years before he can start getting uh, that kind of potential life-changing money for him. And this certainly uh, slows things down. So I feel terrible for him. Um, It's brutal. Guys will have to step up. Now we'll say that uh, as far as how this bullpen has gone over the last couple of weeks, Jacob Webb has thrown the ball really well. Uh, and it was funny because I thought Fujinami might have been close to getting sent down um, potentially. He's actually been okay. The swing and miss has been there. He's doing a, uh, a nice job over his last seven and two-thirds, right? The thing with Fujinami was the walks. One walk mm-hmm. for him over his last seven and two-thirds to go along with 10 punch outs. So maybe there's an opportunity uh, for him. Cano, Perez have not allowed a run uh, in the last couple of weeks. Seven in, excuse me, seven games and six games uh, between the two of them. Now Perez has got six games and three and two-thirds. They've been able to kind of play matchup a little bit and make it work despite the fact there's been some changes uh, in those rules. And so the bullpen has done um, a pretty good job hauling inning uh, since he's been back. Uh, and even James McCann with a shutout inning. Uh, of course, he's a catcher. But guys in the bullpen uh, have done a good job. And so they're going to have to step up and they'll have to rally around the fact that they have no uh, Batista. And so we'll keep an eye on that one uh, going forward, Billy. But uh, unfortunate news coming out of Baltimore, still a first place team and uh, will continue to fight to the finish line. Yeah, they they will. They're, they, they're fortunate that they they happen to face the Rockies right now, too. Uh, Rockies have a pretty unique stat. They have gone six consecutive games where they have the lead in the sixth inning mm. and have lost six straight. It's never been done before in Major League history. So congratulations, Rockies, and you're welcome, Tampa, and you're welcome, Baltimore, <laughs> for getting your teams right. Yeah. Um, speaking of getting their teams right, Oakland. This one's really interesting, the Oakland A's and, and what's going on over there with the lease agreement. Uh, and and so and the mayor of Oakland threatening um, mm-hmm. that the, she could keep their lease name, she can keep the Oakland oh. A's name, and uh, 
just it feels like there's more to this story day after day, day after day. There's always something when it comes to the Oakland A's in their stadium. Yeah, man. The idea of that part was kind of a side part of this story. Right. So the lease ends next year, as you mentioned. Right. So 2024, the lease ends. The stadium, they say, probably not going to be ready in Las Vegas until 2028. So we, you and I have speculated on radio. You know, where does this thing go? What do they do? And we had wondered because apparently we have heard uh, that they uh, that the A's do have permission to play in Vegas next year if they want to. They can play in their AAA park. Uh, I've wondered about that. Like I just finished a trip in Oakland. I'm like, will I ever be here again? calling a game of course in the american league west were there all the time uh now it's down to a couple times a year but it had been three times a year and you feel like you're there quite a bit just spent a full week there actually because um, the texas rangers played the giants and the a's in the same week and i'm like and my partner dave rain we're like man we may are we ever going to come back to this ballpark again because we know that possibility of the oakland a's playing uh in vegas next year in their triple a ballpark until their stadium is ready is at least something that is possible, and it sounds like they have gotten permission to do that. Now, playing in the, in Vegas in the middle of summer doesn't sound all that pleasant either, quite honestly, as much as it's been brutal um, in Oakland. Uh, it will be toasty warm. So this comes up now all of a sudden uh, that there could be the possibility uh, of the A's playing in San Francisco, uh, whether it be after the lease expires or even as early uh, as next year and playing in Oracle Park. And I, we're not sure you know, that's definitely going to happen, uh, but it's out there as a possibility now. The Giants apparently have said they could never host all 81 home games uh, for the Oakland A's. They already have commitments to concerts and other things, and there's been soccer that's played there. And if you watch a Giant game this week, you'd see there's a, a bunch of marks on the field from whatever event or concert that they just had there. So they're not afraid uh, to use that venue for other things. And so the rumors were maybe 30 or 40 games. Now, I don't like that idea either. I'd hate for them to have to have multiple home spots that's miserable we saw what happened with the toronto blue jays a couple of years ago that probably cost them a spot in the postseason quite honestly right they were well, they were a game out of making the postseason they played uh, home games in florida in buffalo and then eventually in toronto and felt like had they been in toronto all year long no doubt they probably win at least uh one more game so that one hurt uh, a little bit for them and then of course you have major league baseball you have the players association that gets in on this as well um i love oracle parks billy so there's that part of me that's like well would be fun to go there. I guess the question is, you think they would draw better? You know, we see crowds of three, four, five thousand uh, at the Coliseum. If the Oakland A's were to play 40 home games at Oracle Park, how are they drawing for those games? I think they do good. Yeah. I think they do well. I, I think there's enough A's fans in San Francisco uh, and that ballpark, I, I think, supports it no matter what. People love do day games there. I don't I don't know how they would they would manage it. I think it'd do fine. Yeah. Um, but but to your point, I mean, so if Oakland was to leave and, and I didn't realize this part of the story, um, so they they're in I guess they're in some sort of agreement um, that they were going to purchase 50 percent of of the complex or the, the Oakland Coliseum complex um, over over time through some installments. And so uh, this began in 2019. I didn't know that. Did you know that? So they had an agreement in 2019 to purchase Alameda County share of the Coliseum complex for 85 million bucks to pay, to be paid in installments over seven years. Uh, the complex includes uh, the Oakland Coliseum, the, the old um, golden state warriors place and 120 additional parcels of, of, of land. Uh, so 120 acres. And if they were to leave and that's what, that's what the mayor is saying. If you were to leave, you're still required to pay what you owe. So let's say they leave 
you know, however mm-hmm. many payments they've made, they've been making $15 million every year. Um, so 15 million in 2024, 2025, 26, 20, and then you, then you have it paid off. Uh, if they were to leave, they owe the lump sum. So you mm-hmm. want to go, yeah, you can go, but you owe us 45 million bucks. Yeah. Hmm. That's, uh, well, I wonder if that's worth it to them. I mean, based on what they think they probably have coming, uh, would you rather try to salvage the 45 million and make it work in Oakland? or still head to Vegas to make those payments. And based on uh, potential profits that could be coming their way in Las Vegas, my guess is that's not going to get in the way. It's a lot of money. We get it. They spent a lot. They said what? They've been up over $100 million even exploring the idea of trying to stay in Oakland. And maybe they even factored those dollars in there when they when they threw that number out there. I don't know. Um, but as, as much as that would be a thorn in the side uh, of the Oakland A's in their financial situation, at least to some degree, that's eh, one year of Justin Berlander. I mean, it's one way to look at it, I guess. That, is, that is true, and that land, and that land right there in, in Oakland is worth something. So, yeah, I mean, no I doubt. Mean, so it's not like you get nothing for it. We all hate it. It's been a terrible situation in Oakland. We love the fans. We love the atmosphere there, uh, but they just have not been able to draw. Something has got to get done. Whether or not the team has been uh, operating, uh, I guess, would you say, and, and being honest about it and really trying to make it happen, that is coming to question. I get it. If I'm an Oakland A's fan, I probably would feel. Uh, the same way, but uh, they'll continue to work this thing out, whether they're playing in Oakland for one more year, whether they're playing in the AAA ballpark in Vegas until their stadium is ready in 2028, or potentially uh, even playing at Oracle Park uh, in the near future for some of their home games. It doesn't sound like they could do and play all of their uh, home games there, but I got to imagine too, for the Giants, there's some money to be made. Um, in that situation, obviously, in the lease there, what they would have to charge them uh, to use their ballparks. Billy, a couple of prayers up for me, if you don't mind. Uh, co-ed softball practice yesterday, and uh, I'm not recovering all that well. Like, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I don't know if you've been in this spot uh, where you get there, right? So my wife signs up with her tennis friends. Uh, it's great. This is such a, a diverse group of people that they're great athletes, but they've never played softball. Right. So a lot of tennis pros. There's a girl actually who's a professional tennis player right now who comes out for first day like they're into it. They're athletes, but they don't know softball, baseball at all. They don't know the rules. They don't know how it works, but they want to win. And they're ultra competitive. So we got players from Venezuela. We got players from Romania. We got players from wow. uh, Mexico. It's great. Like all locals here in the Atlanta area and, and tennis pros in the community and my wife. Um, has, you know, taken tennis lessons and worked with a lot of these people. It's just, it's super fun. But all of a sudden I walk in first day, they're already two and oh, all the pressure on me. Oh, Hey, uh, can you, t- what, how's this rule work? What, why, why did I, why couldn't I just step on the base, even though you weren't forced to come to third, why did I have to tag you like that kind of stuff? And then they just expect you to hit a home run every single time when you step in uh, I had back surgery in January, Billy. And I was a pitcher and this foot is, this uh, field is 300 feet. So it's borderline. I could think I can get one out of there on a good day, but certainly not every day, not automatic. So we had a, you know, it's hot here in Atlanta and had a, a almost a, a better than two hour practice because they're gamers. I mean, I am dead. I'm done. And there's people still hitting and taking BP. Like they're just getting after it and trying to get better and better, even though it's a lot of work to be done. But I woke up today paying the price uh, in a really big day uh, in a big way. Game day is Tuesday. Ooh. I got to get my act together and hopefully I can recover by then. But the knees, the back, all of it's Billy. I'm a disaster this morning. I do like, uh, I do like people that, that take, softball seriously and then i do appreciate the people that they they go listen softball is like bowling it's a bar for us to just go outside and drink leave us alone like don't make fun of us it's a it's it's a it's it's for us to drink beer yeah and that that happened i mean i brought a couple i had what's funny that was the first drink i had after probably about an hour of practice and i felt like i just ate 
went in me and I felt like I sweated it out before I even, you know, completely finished it and then finally moved on to some water. But yeah, a couple of beers were had. Certainly it's fun. Uh, it's a cool community uh, and it's enjoyable and it's gamers. And the funny thing about too, with the tennis part of this, right? So, so we used to be in kind of this, uh, oh, you know, ten- the, tennis the, skirts. No, no, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go on that path, but just, you know, the, the community that we were in that we don't, we're not members there anymore. It's a little fancy. Uh, there's a couple of, uh, to give you an idea in this tennis community, in this neighborhood, uh, housewives of Atlanta, a couple of them live in this neighborhood. We don't live there. It's kind of nuts. Anyway, none of them, not, they're not invited to softball. It's all about, uh, winning. And that's why they got brought my wife and she played softball in college and they want to win. They want no nonsense. Yeah. There'll be a couple of beers had, uh, but we're here to destroy other teams. So anyway, it's been, uh, it's been a ton of fun and I really have enjoyed it despite the fact that I might need about six Advil, um, today. All right. That's going to do it for us here on negative war, uh, positive vibes as always. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Yes, we've made some changes here. The name has changed. New location. Uh, please uh, like, share, subscribe, all those things. Billy and I love doing it, and we love uh, your support. Have a wonderful day, everybody. We'll be back soon.